And I'm going to start it right now. Okay. Good clap. Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! This is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast where every week we take whatever band or artist we're doing, we take, we listen to all of their albums, and we rank them from worst to best, and we also give our biggest banger from each of them. Uh, my name is Tyler. Oh, and before we do that, we do our six degrees of Tom DeLonge. If you don't know what that is, look up the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Same idea, but between Tom DeLonge and the artist of the week. My name is Tyler. We out there hundreds of miles away. We out there in the ether. He's Jeff. Go to Apple Podcasts, go rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Asinine Radio. Leave us five stars on Apple Podcasts because that is uh, very important. Go do that, please. If you want to give us a call, leave us a voicemail, send us a text. Uh, the phone number is 503-893-5307. We also have a Discord server if you want to hang out with us and other people who listen to the pod and just, you know, fucking make fun of us. Let us know. We'll give you. We'll send you the link and join the Discord. So... Um, Jeff, let's just get right into the rank or the six degrees of Tom DeLonge. I don't know how many you have. I have one. Um, so let's go. I have three. I almost had four, but, but one I could, I could just, I could not do it. <laughs> Wait, would you try, did you try with each a different band member each time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was, yeah. it was, this is a hard one this week. This is really hard. Well, like it, it was hard well, not I, to do Lou Reed. Lou Reed was the easiest one that I did. Yeah. But also my that, favorites. Okay. Because whatever. Yeah. So I, I guess yeah. I'll start. I'll start because I have three and you have one. Because you're pitiful. Also, you um, didn't have any last week, but that's fine. Keep it up. That's true. <laughs> On average, I still have more because you had one no, you last don't. week. you Bullshit. You had one last week and oh, you had one oh, this week. Okay. That's two. I have three today. Three is bigger than two. Well, I thought you were going to say overall. I didn't know you Unless were playing say golf. We're playing golf week. because right, then like, I would lose. But you're also not listening to me right now. You're just talking. You just keep talking. Strokes. I don't know where you're talking. You just okay. need to, you know, what, what are your six degrees? So my first one is Doug <laughs> Yule. Uh-huh. You'll shoot your eye out. <laughs> Doug Yule was <laughs> featured on Elliot Murphy's third album. Elliot, Elliot, Elliot Murphy's this guy. I only know about him even before this because Sloan, friend of the pod, Sloan likes this guy. And I thought he would be cool. He's like he's like a rocker from like the this this kind of same era of like seventies, and he played it for me. And he was like the most boring fucking rock I've ever heard in my life. So, <laughs> yeah, Doug Yule was featuring Elliot Murphy's third album. Elliot Murphy's fourth album features Phil Collins. Oh, don't forget that Phil Collins did his magnum opus, the best thing he's ever done in nineteen ninety nine. For the Tarzan no, soundtrack, no, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> which, dude, no. which was which was <laughs> produced by Rob Cavallo. Rob also played ah. the acoustic guitar in that song. As if people ah. know, Rob Cavallo, he did the best parts of all Green Day albums. Correct to Tom, because yeah, they yeah, tour together and stuff. But yeah, yeah. Pop that's, dude, that's yeah. that's that's Phil Collins' best song he's ever done, hands down. Oh my god, easy. dude, easy. You're so dumb. You're so it's dumb. Fact. It's fact. 
Ah, what a pull. What a pull. So you want me to say mine or you want to go with your second one? I got two more. What you want me to do? Uh, let's go with your second one. What do, we right. got? what do you got for the second one? So I'm going to say Lou Reed for last. Not because I liked Lou Reed the most, whatever. It's just who I found out about. So my second one is Mo, the, the drummer. Um, mm-hmm. She had a lot of solo albums that I'm super, super interested in because of who was on them. Victor DeLorenzo, Brian Ritchie, the guys from the Violent Femmes were on huh. like a lot of her solo albums. So Victor, Mo to Victor DeLorenzo. Victor DeLorenzo was in the Violent Femmes with Gordon Gano, who's the, the singer, main songwriter. Mm-hmm. Gordon Gano was in The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Huh? Wait, wait, what? Yeah. As wait, was, the, the singer? Yes, the singer was, was in The he? Adventures of Pete and Pete. Who, did you know what character? I did, but I didn't write it down. It's, 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 it was a one-off episode, and I guess this character on Pete and Pete changes all the time. Hmm. I don't know. I'd have to was. think about it. I'd but have also, to think about it. But also, uh, Juliana Hatfield, who played mm-hmm. the lunch lady. I, I don't know why I wrote her down, but I didn't write Gordon Gano. <laughs> that makes sense. She was also in, in Pete and Pete, and uh, she had her own band, as, as you may or may not know, and featured on bass was Mikey Welsh. From mm-hmm. Weezer, yep. formerly of Weezer. Uh, Josh Freeze also played drums on a bunch of her solo albums, too. But that's we've done him a lot. We've done yeah, Mikey Welsh a lot, too. But Mikey Welsh played bass for Weezer, but also contributed to The Special Goodness, which was a side project of Weezer. And at points in The Special Goodness's career, Adam Willard played drums for many years. Correct. Adam yeah. to Tom. Adam oh. to Tom. There you go. That's a good one. I like that one a lot. That's a really good one. <laughs> Bringing up The Adventures of Pete and Pete. I knew that would get you. Ah, that gets me every time. One of the greatest <laughs> shows ever. I love that fucking show. It's aged so well. It's ah, that show's so good. I cannot believe. I'm. A, I'm a, as I'm talking, I'm gonna look it up and then tell you who he played. But I cannot believe that he or that Pete Pete had so many guest celebrities. Yeah, yeah Iggy Pop was uh, Mich- Michelle Trachtenberg's character's dad, and he was on probably like maybe six or seven episodes. Yeah, he had a recurring role. So, so Gordon that was Gano, like the big one. He played Mr. Zank, the first. It says the first of many substitute math teachers. Uh, I don't. I'd have to see the episode to, to so remember like, I, that. I guess there was a a, re, a revolving door of of substitute math teachers, and that's yeah, what, I guess that's so. What that, that's where that came in. Okay, I like it. I mean, it, that whole show was based around like indie rock music too. Everything about that show was indie rock. The way it looked, the music that they played all the time was all that genre of music. So it makes sense. Dude, even like, totally so like, here, here's some of the notable people too that I remember now. LL Cool J was in it. John was McLaughlin it? was in it. Alicia Keys was in it. Like and Debbie then, Harry. Like what the not fuck? In, not in the Adventures of Pete and Pete. All these people were in it, yes. Alicia Keys? They no. were all guest stars at some point, yes. Really? Alicia, Alicia Keys, Keys played a student. Oh, she must have been like a background, yeah, probably like a background character or something, or an extra. Shit, that's, that's wild. It is. That's really wild. Wow. I really want to go watch this this show. Steve Buscemi was in an episode too. <laughs> that's that brings me to my next one. <laughs> okay, all right. What do you got? Well, do you want to do yours? Or oh yeah, do my the, third the, one? no, I'll I'll my go, third one. Your third yeah, one. Yeah, go through because we're already on a roll. So, what do you got for your third one? My third one. This one was was exciting for me. So. So I'm going to start with Lou Reed. Lou Reed's mm-hmm. 19th album <laughs> has Steve Buscemi as a guest, who also was in Pete and Pete. 
Steve Buscemi is apparently like a big Beastie Boys fan and was in their video what? for Make Some Noise. One of their, uh, I think it was on, oh, yeah. on Hot it was Sauce on Committee. Hot Sauce, yeah. That and, was a good video uh, too. Also in that video was Jason Schwartzman. Jason Schwartzman okay. was in the movie Slackers. He played mm-hmm. uh, Ethan, Weird Ethan, alongside uh, Devin Sawa. As we know, Devin was in a movie called Idle Hands. Ah, alongside yes. Mr. Tom DeLong. Mr. Tom DeLong. That's a good one, too. Shit, but here's what got go. me. Here's what got me. Steve Buscemi is fucking cool. He is so rad. <laughs> His life story is amazing. He was a firefighter and then like left the firefighting business after m- several years, almost a decade of firefighting, to mm-hmm. like be an actor like in New York City. And then like whenever a fire station would close down in like his old area that he would work he would go to protest and like he's been kind not like arrested because he's steve buscemi but if he wasn't steve buscemi he would have been arrested for protesting the closing down of fire stations what city was he from where's he from from new york city one of the i think oh, no shit. Okay. so damn yeah it's, i, I had no know. idea it's just really cool he's a lot he's a lot deeper than i had ever imagined steve buscemi being and he's like the son of like a korean war vet and I don't know, man. I was, uh, yeah, I had no idea. I, I didn't know. I've never thought about looking up Steve Buscemi because he's always I mean, obviously weird. Would... He plays like the weirdo. Yeah, you're right. It's true. But yeah, he's been like he's been in a part of of many many. Oh, and then after nine eleven, the day after nine eleven, he showed up to his old fire station, geared up, and then was out there for days and days looking for people and debris and like helping whatever Shit. he could. Wow, that's wild. That's so cool, though. He was pulling like so 15 cool. hour shifts the day after 9 11, after not even being a firefighter for so long. Yeah. Hey, that's tough. Wow. Crazy. Love this guy. That's wild. That's so cool. That's so damn cool. Yeah. Much, much respect for Steve Buscemi. Not that I didn't have any respect for him, but I had no idea he was this interesting in this school. Yeah. Same here. I mean, obviously, you'd seen him in a lot of cool stuff, but yeah, that's really interesting. Very interesting. Ah, shit. All right. So mine aren't nearly as exciting. Um, So we'll start with Lou Reed because it's easy. Um, Lou Reed to Metallica because they did that that Lulu record together. Fucking terrible record. Did you? I don't. Did you listen to it? No. We we talked about this a lot, and you uh, told me not to at the time. But you said you were going to. No, but then actually, when we did, when we decided on this, I asked you if I should listen to it, and you said no again. Yeah, but I thought you said you were still going to listen to it. Well, you thought wrong. Okay, I did. So, often. yeah, they, they, no, it's never, no, I'm never <laughs> wrong. Uh, so, yeah, they, they did that terrible record, Lulu. Uh, Rob Trujillo is, uh, is in Metallica. He plays the bass player. Uh, Rob was also the bass player in Suicidal Tendencies prior to Metallica. Brooks Wackerman was also a, the drummer for Suicidal. And uh, Brooks was the drummer who played on Tom's, Tom DeLonge's uh, solo record. So, but there you go. That was probably one of the more simple ones, but it was hard to do. I, I Like I said, it was hard to make any connection between any of the other band members, but whatever, the, you did it. I'm proud of you. The only one I couldn't do, and I, I can't even think of the other dude's name, the, the other guitarist. Doug Yule or John Kale? No. Or well, that, Morrison. That, yeah. That, Morrison. That, Morrison. Because he did nothing outside of just normal Velvet Underground side project stuff, and I didn't want to use True. that. Like, he didn't but do he anything. Also, he also died like in the mid nineties, right? So Yeah, he died really young. Yeah. So he didn't have a lot of there wasn't a lot of like modern bands he could have worked with. 
So, okay. So now we're done with the six series of Tom DeLonge. Let's, uh, let's just get into the rankings. What do you got Jeff for, uh, the worst velvet underground record and your BB, your biggest banger from it. What do you got? Go. Uh, it's not a bad album. It's not. Okay. This is my, this is my least favorite. This is the most hated. So, Mm, if that's any indication but it's not a bad album squeeze their last album 1973 it's it's so hated by fans and it's just because it's it's a doug yule solo project there's no og members in there and because it's so vastly different from their first three but it's still closer to their fourth album but Mm -hmm. it's just a doug yule solo album if it would have just marketed as that if it was released as that then people would like it because it's not a bad album it's full of songs that are pretty good and my favorite my favorite my favorite yeah. song is little jack the opening track it's it's got some okay, serious grateful dead vibes to it and there's several songs on here that are very very reminiscent of that scene of that sound and i loved that track <laughs> loved it i for sure would pick this up if i saw it on the vinyls for a reasonable is it, amount is it expensive or what I've, I mean, I, I've never seen this, but I've never seen any of these outside of their first album, new. Okay. Like I, I don't, I just don't come across Velvet Underground outside of like new albums, mostly their first album ever. Okay, and you refuse to buy new, so. Yeah. So how many, how many Velvet Underground records do you have on vinyl? I have three. Okay, I have zero. Um. <laughs> well that was fun <laughs> <laughs> oh god but you would definitely get this one on vinyl the, i do i like this record? one i i okay i would get yeah. this one more than their their my next one but i already have the next one so that's that's uh, a good okay. point okay but i do so i then like with, this oh, album yeah, your, your biggest bamer is little jack yeah the first track it's it sounds exactly like the grateful dead i'm telling you is that is it does it i mean i don't i'm not f- super familiar with the dead but little jack was a good song i that one did stand out to me on on that record so not my favorite on that record but okay it did stand out for sure but. okay okay <clears throat> so that's what you got for number five is squeeze their fifth record squeeze <sighs> okay so my number five so this is Oh boy! Here we this go. is the first time I've really ever heard the, the Velvet. I almost said the Grateful Dead, the Velvet Underground. Um, so, with that being said, my number five is the Velvet Underground and Nico, their I first th- record. So you're such a cuck, dude. There's no way that you hate this. I, band. You do. <laughs> I did not like this record. I this this was like when I when I was listening to it, I was thinking the same thing. I, I felt the same way I felt about Against Me. Uh, I don't get it. I don't know why people like this band. I just, I don't, I don't understand it. I, Lou Reed's vocals are just so, oh, they're just obnoxious. And musically, I just thought it was whatever. It's just, I just, it didn't sound good to me. I just, I didn't like it. And I know it's not because of the Andy Warhol thing, because I don't like Andy Warhol at all. It's not because of that necessarily, but it's just, overall, it's just not very good. And I feel like if, I think feel like Andy Warhol pressured them into doing a style that they necessarily didn't want to do, but they felt obligated to do it because he was giving them the opportunity of playing his art shows and, and shit like that. I feel like that's the only reason why this record sounds the way that it does bad. Um, 
yeah, it's, I, I just don't like this record. I think it's a bad record. I just, I don't, I don't get it at all. Yeah, you clearly I, don't get it. I, I, I listened to it and I thought, for sure, what have, what have I got myself into this week? Like, this is gonna suck. Like, welcome to the suck, Tyler. Like, this is, <laughs> wow. I just, I don't, I don't know, man. It's, I have nothing more to say. It was just, I have no banger off this one. I didn't like it. That's fucking nuts, dude. You're, uh, that's cool though. Like the Velvet Underground would like that. They would like that kind of like inner punker in you to pretend like he doesn't like something that's popular. <laughs> they would let, they would, they would appreciate that. So you're doing, dude, I like, I like good. stupid, I like it's stupid, good. weird shit. No, you know, doing, I like stupid, fine. weird shit. I'm, I'm complimenting you. I'm complimenting you're not, you. But no, it's like, no, it's like a backhanded compliment. No, that's I'm what it saying is. that yes, it is. it's no, cool. It is. You like, know what vel- you're doing. Dude, Lou you Reed know would, what you're doing. John Cale would be impressed at your, your, your oh, ability to, John Cale. to no matter what, like things because it's popular. That's, that's cool. That's oh, cool. man. You're saying some dumb Stick things Stick to your right guns. Now. Stick to your guns. Saying some dumb things. So Yeah, saying that's the worst <laughs> album is saying some dumb <laughs> it things. It is their worst album. Like people have been duped. Through and through. People that's have been duped. 100% inaccurate, but okay. It's true. It's true. So that's my number five. No bangers off of uh, their, their their first record, their debut record. The only fucking so, banger is like the sound of your head hitting the ground when you fell down to rank that as your number five. That's the only banger that happened. I don't so, give a fuck. their number four, also their fourth uh, album, is Loaded. Okay. Loaded. Right. And again, this isn't a bad album by any extent. I had this one on the vinyls. I only had mm-hmm. the disc, though. I don't have the... I don't have the um, a jacket. jacket. This was inserted into another Velvet Underground record. So I got like a twofer on this one, which is really cool. But nice. uh, it's, an, it's an album that if it was done by like a rock band would have been cool. It's not, it's not quite up to par with what they've been doing, what, we, what we've heard from the Velvet Underground prior to this. It's not unique enough. The song melodies are there. The feeling is there. It's just kind of lost in its like commercialization. They finally did a, a record... I mean, the, the the album title "Loaded" was supposed to be loaded with bangers for the record label because that's what the record label wanted. Yeah, and they kind of <laughs> did it. They kind of made an album for their record label. It lost a lot of, I mean, love or hate their first album, second album, third album. There's a lot of personality to it. There's a lot of uniqueness to them. Loaded didn't have almost any of that, but it was mm-hmm. still good. Like it, they, they, they're still decent songwriters, and there's still some really good songs on here. Oh, sweet nothing, the closing track. Like it's a full band. I remember that. It's a bang of a rock song. It's got Doug as lead vocals, and like he definitely has that '70s rocker style singing to him. Mm-hmm. But like the melody is so damn cool, and it really like lets itself play out naturally, which is something they do a lot. They let the songs just naturally die rather than end it for whatever reason. And so that's that's my number four. Loaded. I like it. It's I like good. It. I'm glad. I dig. Uh, so my number four from the Velvet Underground is their second record, White Light, White Heat. That's uh, this, nuts. Yeah. You're fucking nuts. You, you're such I a know. cuck. You're a commercial cuck. That's what you are. That's fine. That's you're fine. You're a fucking corporate That's shill. Fine. That's fine. You're telling me squeeze and loaded are in your top three. Uh, yes, correct. You're a that fucking is, corporate correct. shill. You've sold out entirely. Wow. Whatever. I don't I care. take it all back. You're exactly what this band hates. <laughs> Everything about you. Wow. I love it. Um but yeah, no, white light, white heat. This is uh I barely got through this one. And the only reason I barely got through this one was because I was just so burnt out from the first record and I shouldn't have put this one on, 
you know, right after the other. I just, it's just, yeah, it's heavier. It's like more, it's way I, heavier. Say it's avant, way more I wouldn't aggressive. say avant-garde, but it is a little bit more than the first one, but it's just, ugh, it's so far up its own ass. Just like the first record, man. I just, it's not, I, just, I don't, That's I, what this it band is, is though. Not. It is, band dude, especially, is not. especially reading more about John Cale. Like he seems like a cool dude. Um, and I understand like he, he is a, he is a great musician, but damn dude, just being different for the sake of being different. is just so obnoxious sometimes. And that's exactly what all your rankings are. It's just different for the sake of being different. <laughs> no, that's I'm exactly just calling out what you're doing. I'm just calling out, you know, subpar records and the first it, two Velvet Underground records one. are subpar. I don't know. That's unbelievable no. to me. Yeah, man. I just, I don't have a banger off this one either. I don't, I don't really care for Lou Reed's vocal stylings on these first two records. Like he's, it's like, it's like Bob Dylan, but not as whiny. And it's, it's like, it's spoken word at points, but it's kind of an annoying spoken word. I don't know. Some of the songs are too long. It's just, it's it's gross. It's gross. I am fucking so surprised. (laughs) I've not, I've not been surprised by your horrible ratings. Maybe ever. I I really yeah, think man, that you missed the boat record. on this one. I really think you missed the boat I on didn't. this one. I'm, I mean, I'm glad we didn't do the first record or the second record. I, I I really think like there was a joke and everybody got it except for you. Like you were clearly left behind. No, I got the joke. I got the joke. <laughs> that the first two records are bad. You did not. Like you. you yeah. Like you, you guys all missed behind. out on the joke. Yeah. No, you guys all missed out on the joke. You know, when you read about it, Lou Reed didn't even want to do these first two records. He wanted to go for a more accessible sound. It was all like shit that fucking John Cale and Andy Warhol urged him to do. And then that's why he fucking fired John Cale. And then not only that, he fired John Cale, but he did it in like the most pussy manner. Like that's, fucking, that's also how he left fucked. like the Velvet Underground. Was oh, he yeah, I know. Somebody yeah. else and then didn't show up for the last practice or the last yeah. set they, that they did. But I mean, so it. my, because my, we'll get an Andy Warhol, I guess, either now or on the main episode, but. My my number three is their first uh, Velvet Underground and Nico. This is okay. this is a good album. At least it's low. At least it's this low. It's not it's not full of itself, as it's it's really not. If you think of what happened with this band, how they were marketed, everything that went on, it's not it's not really that full of itself. And as much as I don't like Andy Warhol, it's mostly because for one, I just don't understand art. In the in the realm of of outside like music and tangible things, I guess, like paintings and, mm-hmm. and abstract ideas, I don't understand it. Therefore, it bores me. And Andy Warhol just like personifies that aspect of art that I don't like. His his paintings, I think, like mm-hmm. the Marilyn Monroe one, the Campbell soup thing, they're fucking stupid. But that's not to say yeah. that other people can't enjoy him. Whatever. I don't care. I just don't get it. I think it's dumb. Nico wasn't a, as big of a part of this album as I thought she was going to be. And mm. I thought she was going to be like the main singer. But she's on like three songs. It's not even a big deal. Yeah. And I don't know why she's even billed on the title. It's because Andy Warhol really wanted her on there because she, she was in like a movie. Course. But like this band wouldn't... This band owes... Man, Andy Warhol was like the best and worst thing for this band. Because yeah. he was already kind of established, so he had he had kind of like people that he could introduce them to. His blending of like art and music was just unmatched. Like nobody had done that before. And mm-hmm. like that's that's cool. That's something to be said for people that like both, that want to blend a lot of different artistic 
endeavors together. I respect that. Again, I don't get it. I don't care for it. I think it's dumb as fuck. But that was good for the band. That's what the band needed. What was bad for the band was that he was their manager, and he was a shit manager because mm-hmm. this band, I guess I'll just get into it now because I'm already irritated because your rankers are fucking terrible. This band, <laughs> this band was not up its own ass because this band barely was a band. This band got shit reviews. The label would shit all over this band, lagged on their first album for almost a year because there were like copyright yeah, there was a issues and that. shit. There was a, no, 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 no. Easy, easy, Tiger. Easy, Tiger. And don't forget, 45 singles that were like a big part of, of the music industry started to yeah. die once well-crafted albums started coming out. And that didn't happen until like the late 60s. So when they signed to Verve yeah. Records, Verve didn't know what to do with them. Are they a folk band? Are they a... They didn't know how to classify them because there wasn't a classification for this band. And true, their, first, their first singles were supposed to come out in 1966. And they did kind of get like 45 releases, but the label never went full frontal on it. They released like a handful of them to various people. And if you look at like even Discogs now, there's there's like barely any. And they're worth like like five, $600 because there's only a handful of them made and only a handful of those 45s, those first, first singles from 1966 even survived. Yeah. And then as far as like marketing goes, the only time this band was even like marketed was in like publications because they're, they were fucking weird. And yeah, like this last, the album that came out the, with Nico is more polished than what they had anticipated and so it's a little bit more commercialized, but they have a song called fucking heroin. <laughs> Don't forget yeah. the Beatles, like Sergeant Peppers came out in 67 also and Lucy in the sky with diamond was banned on radios and everywhere because it semi resembled LSD. They had a song called mm-hmm. fucking heroin, all of the taboo stuff that was in all the un- unheard of stuff that this, this band was doing at the time, all of the, the sexual innuendos, all of the things that society did not want them to do, they were doing when nobody else was doing it. And that's just You're like right. subject yeah. material. As far yeah. as like like sound goes, the only other band that came out in this era that even kind of pushed the envelope of, of what the psychedelic era of the late 60s was going in and the folk was the Mothers, Mothers of Invention. Their first mm-hmm. album came out in 66. Ironically, it was also produced by Tom Wilson, who produced this album and a lot of Bob oh, Dylan stuff. Okay. But if you listen to their first album, which I think is a killer album by Mothers of Invention because it's very psychedelic sounding. It's very rock and roll focused. Yes, it's experimental rock, but the subject matter they were dealing with was more like fighting the power, more like public enemy status, more like our education system sucks, the government sucks. Whereas the Velvet Underground were dealing with things like drug addiction, like like sexual deviancy, 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 not deviancy, deviancy, deviancy. The the, the Velvet Underground was so commercially underwhelming almost until like 1970, 1971. They were Mm -hmm. almost a a complete flop. Like they were just a trash band. And a lot of that has to do with Andy Warhol. He's not a rock and roll manager. Like you get some of these guys like, like Zeppelin's manager who was cutthroat, who would literally fucking choke people if he didn't get a record deal. Andy Warhol was an artist. He was a beatnik. He was reserved. He was calm. He was good for the band because he let the band do whatever they wanted. He was like a Steve Albini. He said, this is your band. You guys do what you want. But as far as being like a manager and and, and marketing the band, he did a terrible job, as did Verve, because Mothers of Invention also was on Verve Records. Yeah. And so 
Verve Records thought like Mother's Invention that they're a fucking weird band because they are kind of weird. They're but not also Verve like Sgt. Pepper's. But Verve was a subsidiary of MGM, so Verve didn't know what to do with the Velvet Underground. The Velvet Underground was in a losing battle for sure for the first like five years of their career. So to call yeah, them like up their own ass, no, not at all. You could you that could is still 100% be up your own false. ass and be unsuccessful. No, because like, they why? hated all of it. They made bad decision after bad decision. They were all addicted to drugs. They had horrible yeah. time. There was always infighting. Everything about the band, all they wanted to do was just play music. But they kind of got like, oh, a little glimmer of hope with Andy Warhol. He can make us a little bit bigger. And like their first drummer bailed out. He's like, nah, their first paying oh, dude, gig, that guy, I'm oh, out. Dude, that I'm guy done made so. me so mad. That's like when you. I read that, dude, that would be like the you oh, of the fucking dude, band, for that sure. Is, that is completely Absolutely. untrue. That, that was like the most irritating thing about, you know, when I was, reading about this fucking band was that their their first and then the and then and their first drummer wanted to come back, back. yeah, yeah. Louis like no fuck you <laughs> you can play with us but you are in no way a member of this band <laughs> and then also in 1966 the only way the velvet underground could even get kind of publication is in magazines but what mm-hmm. happened in 1966 that was the front page of all magazines and the special in the US was John Lennon's bigger than Jesus quote and the right, Beatles yeah. were established. You can't compete with the Beatles at this point. That's fine. That's fair. But when John Lennon said that in 66 and the Velvet Underground are trying to make a name for themselves, there's just, there's no way. This band was in a losing battle from the start. And they are 100% not up their own ass because their songs <laughs> don't reflect that. Their songs are, are, are melancholy. They're chaotic. They're crazy. Just because they were the first ones to do a lot of it doesn't mean they're up their own ass. just means they wanted to play music the way they wanted to play it. They didn't want to be a psychedelic band. They didn't want to be a folk band. They wanted to be yeah. at all. They wanted to have the art world reflect into their music. They were 100% not up their own ass. And I thought that they were. I did. I came into this thinking that they were up their own ass. But then I got some of their stuff on the vinyls and I finally listened to them before I sold them because I was going to sell to... No, three of the albums that I had for like 250 bucks, and I passed. Oof. I dug them. I dug them so much. <laughs> but anyway. Okay, I mean, we'll, we'll get more into this. I mean, because this, this guy is pretty passionate, and this is something that should have been reserved for the, for the main episode. But I'm sure, I'm sure we'll, do, we'll go at it again because there's a lot to go at. So. so Velvet, like the one with Nico, the first album, that's my, that's my third favorite. That's 3B. Yeah, I, I dude, Lou Reed on this album specifically definitely sounds like Bob Dylan for sure. Yeah, but I didn't text you that too when I was yeah, listening to it. Yeah, but I mean, again, like, don't forget, like Tom Wilson produced a lot of Bob Dylan stuff. He produced this. He produced yeah. the first Mother's album. Like, he was in this scene, so that's that's interesting, cool. I and it makes sense too. But my favorite yeah. song is Black Angel of Death. That's uh, like I just I got a thing for these spoken word kind of shit and this overly dramatic, scary soundscapes. This one's cool because it's a nice blend of spoken word and singing, and and I like it. And what may seem like now is a is a group that's that's up their own ass, like oh they're so full of it, they're so conceited. This is their first album that they came out with. Like, yeah, you yeah. can't be up your own ass because there was no genre for this, and they didn't make a bunch of money off of this. They weren't popular for this. If anything, they were like shit on for this. They didn't have a good time. Like how could you possibly be up your own ass? <laughs> no way. <laughs> Uh, you could you possibly were, but you're up your own ass right now. You fucking stupid always, fucking rankings. Always, what? So go ahead. What was that? What was See, that last thing you said? Your stupid fucking rankings. The next one's going to be their self-titled. 
And then it's going to be probably loaded, uh, and then it's going to be squeeze as your favorite because you're yeah. in a corporate yeah. shill now. Yeah. So my number three is actually Squeeze, their fifth record, their last record. Uh, like you said, that this is the one that that it was Doug Yule all the way through. Um, should have been a solo record or another band. Um, also, their manager was kind of a dumb shit and really shady and completely abandoned the band in Europe, and they had to find their way back. Like that whole like. <laughs> like time like one year right there was just like a giant shit show and Doug Yule got a lot of he got the shit end of the stick a lot honestly like I don't know it, it's annoying it's really annoying because he's he's a lot more talented than I feel like people give him credit for and this this record's really good I thought this was a really good record I wouldn't I wouldn't get it on vinyls but I would I do like this record I think it's good um but yeah it's it's just it's more blues rock than anything and at times it kind of like is like, okay, I feel like I've heard this song before. I've heard this part before. But the one song I really liked was the last song, Luis. Uh, it's kind of like that, the upbeat, the, the, it's an up, more upbeat song. There's some really good harms uh, that he does with himself, like overdubs. Uh, and one thing I've, I really think is super great about this band, or at least the, the Doug Yule era, is the, the use of the stereo. Like they, they did it so well. I mean, I was, I was kind of, I was really, really impressed by it. And this song in particular, um, just a lot of, a lot of cool guitar leads on that song to accompany his, his vocal harmonies. It was, it was a good song overall. It's a good record, um, but not quite good enough for me to get on vinyls unless it was like five bucks. But yeah, other than that, it's good. So that's my number three is squeeze. So what do you got for number two? Uh, number two is White Light, White Heat. I actually, um, I got a copy of this also in a Grateful Dead lot that I bought. And I got their self-titled, White Light, and then Loaded. White Light didn't have a cover, as did not Loaded, and they're all squeezed into the self-titled. But the White Light was, was an original. It was an OG pressing, clean, clean stuff. And then local record store had another copy of it he was selling for like 40 bucks and i sent to just traded him i said here's like a here's a more expensive copy of what i want but because there's no cover on it i, I would rather just have the cover i don't mm -hmm. care too much about that so it was like an even trade so that was cool i enjoyed that so i have this also but white light white heat this is the one i listened to first no sorry i listened to the velvet underground first because i thought that would have been their first album i was like oh this is probably like the first one before the nico one came out i didn't realize that was their first one but <laughs> White light, white heat, completely out of order. Banger of an album, because I was like, I was like sifting through Grateful Dead stuff, and I was like, oh, what the fuck, Velvet Underground. I said, hey, let me put this on, and while I'm putting it on, I'm gonna look up how much it's worth, and it was worth a lot. But uh, <laughs> dude, it's a cool record. It's not afraid to do it all. There's some, there's some like real tranquil jams, like Here She Comes Now. There's like some really aggressive tones and speech patterns. That's why I thought you would like this one the most. It's just the most aggressive thing that they've done. There's times where they're doing like a back and forth vocal thing. Mm -hmm. And when one of them comes comes in, it's like louder and almost blown out sounding than the, the previous person that's singing it. And it's just, it's, it's, it's ambitious. It's an ambitious record and it was so incredibly unique in its sound and approach. And nothing, nothing sounded like this at the time. 1968, are you fucking kidding me? America True. was still yeah. like coming all over the fucking Beatles, Sgt. Peppers, and, and the, the Frisco sound that started developing itself. Like, dude, that's, what, that's all America was, was folk and psychedelic. And these guys come out 
and make something so loud, so obnoxious sounding, and everybody hated it. <laughs> but of course, like Rolling Stone later, oh, upon further inspection, I now see that this album is a 10 out of 10. Fucking cucks, dude. Yeah, the ma- that magazine is shit. It was like Fucking everybody, shit. though. It was like yeah, everybody. everybody. Fuck them all. Yeah, but everything, like, everything is like retro, retrospect. Let's give everything a perfect score from, from Velvet, Velvet Underground, except for the last record. That's why I think as like a corporation, Velvet Underground has gone on to be full of themselves and up their ass. But when this was released, no way. But my favorite song is the last song, Sister Ray. It's 17 minutes long. It's fucking guy. And it is a fucking it's beautiful fucking mess. It pushes the envelope <laughs> regarding like subject matter. And it broke ground with this wacky, avant-garde, pre-punk rock sound. It was recorded mm-hmm. in one take in the studio, and they all agreed. They said, you know, if we fuck up, this is it. It's fine. We've practiced it before. Let's just do it once. I want a good, clean, organic sound, even though mm-hmm. that's, that, that term has now grown to be kind of gross-sounding anyway. But that's what this was. It was, it, was, it was the first take, best take type of thing. But to put a 17-minute <laughs> song from a bunch of guys that – not all of them, but they're not like great at their instruments and, and accept the fact that if we fuck up, it's going to be on the record. So if you fuck up, try and fix it. And so, yeah. Yeah. And like, in like live versions of this were known to last up to 30 minutes just because they just enjoy drawing things out and just playing Mm -hmm. and just being there and, and engaging with each other and doing little tricks and stuff here. If that's not like the definition of psychedelic rock, like I don't know what is. (laughs) <laughs> it is it is i i would agree with you on that fuck me but this album was good it's not like wow like i understand kind of what they were going for but i don't feel like it was executed that well <laughs> i don't know man i just i don't i don't get it i don't i you tried. clearly I don't really get tried. it like, you seriously and, and, do not understand like anything and the thing is in life. and the like, thing your is brain is I, now poopified i thought up until yesterday i think it was i thought we were doing their first record until I verified with you that we're actually doing their third. And then, fa- and then I found out that we're actually doing their third. So I had already listened to their first record three times. And uh, and yeah, so I mean, it's not like I, I just listened to it once and I wrote it off. Like I I tried. I really tried with that first record. I think it's it's hard to separate the band at this time from, I guess, like the legacy that they would become in the later years. Because uh, that's annoying. The legacy they would become in later years is annoying. The band at this yeah. time was pure. Yeah, very, guess. very pure. So that was your number two, two. Correct? Okay. So my number two is Loaded, fourth record. This one, um this one was like this one was really good. I would get this one on vinyls. Um this is a good extension of I'd say I'd say it's a good extension of of the third record, but this is like the B sides. This is like the the stuff that they just scratch tracks or shit like that. It's still really good. It's it's still re- very well produced, but it doesn't have quite the the charm and the the kind of um, what am I trying to say the the ups and downs that the self titled one that does their third record. Yeah, I still really liked it. Uh, it's it's a solid record. It's solid solid record. Uh, I have two favorites. I have two bangers off this one, uh, and they they follow one after the other, and I like it so much because both songs are so different. And that's Lonesome Cowboy Bill, and I found a reason. 
two wildly different songs and to put put the the upbeat country sounding lonesome cowboy but like first and it's just it's a really really good country song and then you get into i found a reason which is so slow and just there there's a lot of cool studio experimentation like with the with the, especially with the stereo like i i'm going to compliment the stereo aspect of their record so much because fuck they did it so well especially on this record and and the self-titled but uh yeah this is i think this record's great i think those two songs are so good just the the difference in styles in the two songs i thought was really cool and putting them right next to like to each other like that was it was cool it was really really cool so that's my number two is loaded uh yeah that that's it so Damn. i guess our first record our favorite record is the same that's that's good at least at least you have that <laughs> yeah yeah at least i have that damn so yeah if you didn't know we're fucking the self-titled third record so uh listen to the main episode where we actually break it down and we really get into it uh go, while you're doing that go to apple Podcasts, rate review and subscribe to us on there follow us on social media at ask and I radio and uh yeah go listen so that's it that's all mm. 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 Mm.